Paul, it's been a few weeks, but I think we should get back to our regularly scheduled programming of me telling a really bad joke that I find on the internet. It's been a while. It's been but, a while. But let's let's do it. I was ready. It took me a while because, you know, I usually try to keep up with joke forums, but because we haven't been doing this. So this week's joke is, what do you get when dinosaurs crash into their cars? Mind you, I'm reading this on a joke forum. I don't have poor English. Let's just note that. Um, I have no idea. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking my brain went to like Triceratops or Stegosaurus or something. Uh, well, I'm Bree. And I'm Paul, and this is Signal 25. Welcome to our dinosaur traffic vehicle episode. <laughs> uh, because that's what we talk about on this podcast, and we always have, and we always will, obviously. And we're not making any jokes about it. We're exclusively talking about what happens when dinosaurs and cars collide. Right. What do you think would happen if dinosaurs and cars collided? Like, you know, domesticating dinosaurs? Like, if dinosaurs didn't die off the Earth? I mean, I think, well, first of all, I think we would be riding dinosaurs a lot more than we are now, which is to say at all. But it's also possible that we would, like, we would basically just be riding dinosaurs everywhere, right? Instead of cars. Uh I don't know. Cars are pretty useful inventions, though. So we probably still would have come along with something like that. Yeah, totally. I feel like cars, scratch that. I feel like all technology would have still advanced, maybe even at a faster pace if we had more threatening creatures like dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I also just had the like, I don't know, conundrum in my head that would animals like horses and such have A, been domesticated like they were, or B, even evolved to what they were. Like so many animals that we have today are, you know, direct descents of other animals. And it's like, would they even exist? I think no, right? I mean, they would be at least a little bit different because if nothing else, they have these new like predators or, you know, competition. Oh my God, would we still have dogs? Maybe not. Maybe we would have like dinosaur dogs. Like instead of domesticating wolves, we would domesticate like velociraptors or something. Yeah. Oh my God. A world with no dogs. That sounds like a terrible world. It does sound like a terrible world. But then again, we don't know what a world with dinosaurs would be like. So. That's a good point. What if beyond their spiky exteriors, they're really just cuddly? That's possible. But dude, like like pterodactyls just like flying all over the place. Like, could you imagine just like giant freaking lizard birds? Would they kidnap people? And by kidnap, I mean, like, maliciously attack and take. What would be the purpose of trying to abduct a child if not to, like, eat it? Exactly. No, that's my point. Are pterodactyls, or I suppose were pterodactyls, or would pterodactyls be carnivores? Yes. You think so? I don't know if they were solely carnivores, but I do know that they did eat meat. At least, like, fish and such. According to the internet... Pterosaurs were carnivores, so they did occasionally eat fruits. So what's the closest thing we could compare that to? A bat? Bats don't eat meat, though. I guess like a vulture, but like a really big vulture. I was going to say, I definitely think vultures would pick up live people and carry them away if they had the opportunity. 
are pterodactyls as big as we as we're making them out to be because they may not be that big i'm gonna just type into the magical box of the internet okay um so so are you ready are they like two feet paul i'm gonna actually just send this to you in our google drive and i want your cold react on this because i am now afraid of them (laughs) whoa what (laughs) whoa that's so much bigger than i thought (laughs) yeah look at their beaks whoa yeah and you're telling me that wouldn't carry a child off that would carry a full-grown man off they're 18 feet tall and for anyone who needs a large bull giraffe what yeah, so for reference, when you're like standing looking up at a giraffe at the zoo, imagine that with wings and a beak also the size of wings, and it would be a pterodactyl. That's wild. What? 18 feet. Oh, no, wait. Maybe this is a pteranodon. Okay, but they're but still, still dinosaurs. Yeah, no, no, it it would yeah. still exist. Yeah. There were, bigger, there were ones that were bigger than T-Rexes. And we're going to pretend like we wouldn't be afraid of dinosaurs? You want to talk about something that's not dinosaurs for a minute? Yeah, because I'm going to need some time to process the fact that I'm it was I'm definitely going to have nightmares about like being abducted by pterodactyls. <laughs> that's terrifying. That is so scary. Good thing that we have real world scary things to talk about. Yeah, like COVID and Disney. <sighs> so One our of weekly... those things is a lot scarier than the other. <laughs> <laughs> so our weekly banter of COVID and Disney. Pretty much. I wonder what this podcast is going to be like when COVID's over. Probably a lot happier, know. right? We need we need a like a a Disney COVID little jingle, like it's yeah. time for the COVID news. There we go. There we go. There it is. That's it. That's it. But it is time for the COVID news, and this week uh, it was announced that the Disney executive chair Bob Iger and the CEO Bob Chapek Chapek Chapek. I think it's Chapek. Chapek, perfect. Uh, I don't care enough to learn. And um, they have taken pay cuts again. They took them in 2020, but they are taking them again in 2021 to kind of make up the deficit of Disney losing so much money in the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. That's what they should do. They're walking the walk, talking the talk. But yeah, there's still a lot of jobs that they ended up cutting. So this Mm -hmm. doesn't make up for that. No, and it would make up better if other companies that disney parents also cut their ceo and chair money but you know yeah good start but yeah i mean the cast members just aren't they aren't able to make money because they deserve better yeah it's not it's a little bit unfair i mean it's not that unfair because they're already making millions of dollars anyway but it is a little bit unfair because it's totally not their fault that they made a lot less money but right still i mean that's when you're the CEO and the whatever Bob Iger's title is, chief executive, <laughs> chair, executive, not guy ready to retire, who position. we didn't actually want to let go. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's you. Just you sign up for that, and you know if you're gonna head a Fortune 500 company, like it's inevitable that some disaster is gonna happen at some point in your career. And I mean that's the whole thing with management, right? Is you handle the difficulties of all the people below you and sometimes you end up taking the fall for that so well enough about executives i don't care about them let's talk about disneyland oh yeah let's talk about disneyland and they're very sad news this week i mean sad to some people i didn't think it was that sad 
I found it rather strange. So Disneyland has right. canceled their annual pass program for the time being. They said that it will come back in some form or another. Um, I imagine it will look pretty different, and I imagine all of the Disneyland Resort will look pretty different come whenever it reopens. There's no real timeline on it reopening, save for the California guidelines that they made but that's at this point so far off in the future that it's like almost not even worth pointing out right and from a business standpoint it makes sense like looking at this if i was in an executive position at disney i would have made the same decision um i think you know at this point they'd be giving everyone with an annual pass a free year plus of Disney, and they just can't afford that with annual passes being their main source of income in Disneyland. And it's sad and it's hard because, yeah, you did just lose a year of your annual pass, but also, I mean, what what are they supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it doesn't make sense for them to be like, hey, we weren't open for a year. Now we're not going to get any money for another year. Like, voluntarily. <laughs> so Exactly. It sucks for sure, but it also kind of just makes sense. And another, like, two points to that that I just was considering. Um, one was they might not reopen now until they don't have to follow certain COVID guidelines. Because at this point, with a vaccine and California state rules, it might just happen that it'll be... By the time California is vaccinated and everything else will be the time that it's safe to reopen Disneyland for them. And they might not need to reopen with guidelines. It might just get to go back to being Disneyland. I think it'll depend on how quickly they can vaccinate people and how quickly basically COVID cases start going down. So, I mean, if you're able to, once you reach a certain threshold of, of vaccines, you know, if those numbers start going down dramatically and consistently... I think then, yeah, you can start looking at, okay, what does, you know, not having to social distance as much, what does not having these plexiglass barriers, what do those things look like? Um, a lot of those things have already been done at the park, so I imagine that they'll stick around. So the plexiglass barriers, for example, I think that it's yeah. just kind of common sense now. Um, and I think that you'll see those stick around in the rest of the world, too. I don't think that that's just a, a Disneyland, Disney World thing. I, I think that that's really going to stick around, at least for the next few years, probably. And, I mean, if anything, like, cast members get sick so often. If anything, the plexiglass might just help cut down on the amount of colds you catch when you go to Disneyland. Yeah, I mean, so if you think about, like, people who go to conventions and they get what they call con flu, uh, I mean, imagine just constantly being at a con, basically, right? Because, I mean, that's the amount of people that you're seeing and you're interacting with as a cast member even more than that. So, yeah, I mean... If you want to keep your cast members healthy, you should be doing all this stuff anyway. Also, one last final thought on that was uh, by canceling the annual pass, it also kind of takes away the pressure of reopening as well. Like, if you still have them out there and you're still like, okay, well, we're going to add another like free month on, like maybe like we're just going to freeze your payments again. And it's like, it just leaves people sitting there going, well, like, when are we going to open? Like, when can I use this? At least now it's like, we don't know. We don't know when we're going to reopen. And that's our official statement. No more annual passes. Like, it just, we don't know. I think that's part of why it was so kind of surprising, right? Is it just like an admission of, hey, we do not know. Which yeah. is an admission that I feel like a lot of 
especially large corporations, don't want to make and don't want to have to make. But I think in this case, it's pretty clear nobody knows the answer. Um, And with the state of California being as strict as it is, it's really not up to Disney because if it was up to them, they would have already reopened like they did in Orlando. Paris. But then they reclosed in Paris. All of them. And then yeah. I think they reclosed in Tokyo for like the third time. Yeah, they're all reclosed. Uh, Paris is reclosed through April 15th. So let's probably move on to lighter news. Sure. Speaking of lights, I'd, I'd say it's it's time to light the lights. It's time to play the music. Probably in the other way around, but you know, whatever. It's time to meet the Muppets on the Muppet Show on Disney+. Plus. Because uh, all five seasons are coming to Disney Plus in February, which I'm really excited about. I'm so excited. I love The Muppet Show. It's one of my favorite and most watched YouTube videos, like when you could only, you know, find it on YouTube. And God, I'm just such a sucker for The Muppets. There's nothing Muppet related other than that one movie, the bad evil Kermit movie. Other than that one, though, I don't think that there's a Muppet anything that i haven't enjoyed so i'm excited i love the muppets and i think that they're criminally underused by disney like you own something so incredible like why is muppet vision the only thing we receive yeah on a regular basis i don't know man i don't get it well something i do get in the realm of disney is ratatouille yep and the news on ratatouille is there really is no news but People are kind of starting to be able to go back into the Epcot, uh, the France Pavilion, and see parts of it, sort of. And there is a now a banner that says it's going to open in 2021. I hope so, because as far as I understand, the ride is basically done. Yeah. I wonder if it'll just open on the 50th. They're going to wait till October? Well, I mean, at this point... I don't know. I don't know. I I think it'll happen sooner rather than later. I think, especially the fact that all of this stuff has happened. By the time this episode goes up, it may well have soft opened or hard opened. I don't know. True. I just, I don't know. I have a lot of curiosity about doing this during a pandemic and doing this with social distancing and everything else. It just, it, it, I, I know how crowded opening days are for parks. So it makes me nervous that they would even consider doing this during a time where capacity is limited and you have to stay six feet apart and you have to wear masks and uh, nice air quotes. Um, Yeah, limited capacity, quote unquote. Yeah, I don't want to be the full whistleblower on that one. Um, I'm just talking about the fact that 35% capacity is a pretty average day at Epcot. Yeah, for a, average at Epcot. for a well, okay, sure, <laughs> but for a for an opening date, no, that would be that would be pretty low. It's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, they're still doing festivals and everything, so I don't see why they wouldn't open it. I just personally have a lot of query with it and wondering of how that would look and work and everything else. Uh, other p- properties that. Disney purchased and are turning into a ride. There is a first look at Tom Holland in the Spider-Man attraction in California Adventure called Web Slingers. The ride itself is basically like Buzz Lightyear, except instead of, um, well, Buzz Lightyear or Toy Story, but instead of like shooting a gun, you do the thing with your hands and you like shoot webs out. And I don't fully understand how it works, but that's pretty neat. Like with your hands? Yeah. 
like instead of a controller. Correct. Yeah, there's no like guns or anything. It's it's judging based on where your hands are. So that'll either work really well or terribly. And I don't foresee a lot of middle ground there. It will either work amazingly well and be absolutely incredible or be a kind of mess. So what you're telling me is it's either going to be Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters or Toy Story Mania. And there's not going to be an in-between. I think both of those rides are great, so... I just mean Toy Story Mania, where you point, you shoot, it goes. Astro Blasters is like, okay, one day I might point it and it might hit the target. The next day, I could just be pointing it at one target and it will never shoot it. Do you not... You know you have the little, like, indicator of where you're shooting, right? Uh, yep. All right, okay. I've gotten a zero on that ride before, Paul. Wow. On purpose? No, like my like the sensor just wasn't working. The indicator was there, everything huh. else. Just pew pew, nothing. Well, you are just not a good enough Space Ranger, I guess. I've never even scored Space Ranger status. Isn't it Galactic Hero or something? Well, that's like the real Oh, island. oh, but the you didn't Space even get Rangers the Space Ranger. Like wow, okay. Third. I'm not very good. <laughs> Apparently so. I write it for the aesthetic, not for the, the game. <laughs> Well, other things that involve guns that Disney purchased. Star Wars. <laughs> They're putting a Star Wars trading post in downtown Disney. They're getting rid of the Rainforest Cafe and replacing it with a Star Wars trading post, which actually, like, building-wise, I think makes a ton of sense and looks really cool. Oh, yeah. I would like to correct you for a second. They oh. got rid of the Rainforest Cafe three years ago. <laughs> Wait, has it... It's been it's closed 20, for three. Oh. 2018. Oh, because that's the one that they were going to take down for the uh, for the hotel that they didn't build. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. It's just been an abandoned vine covered building in the middle of downtown Disney for three years. Well, that's awkward. Right. Which is why when they first took out Wonderground, which we'll talk about in a second, I was like, but we have an abandoned building in downtown Disney. Why are we not doing it there? Okay, now talk about Wonderground, because I don't know what that is. It's the art gallery in downtown Disney. This is news to me. What? You've never shopped where they have all the concept Disney art? It's like a bunch of different artists, like Thomas Kincaid and... Not memorably, anyway. (laughs) Well, it's the same art that's in the shop in disney springs the really expensive one has the dress shop connected oh yeah i don't ever go in there over by earl what well first of all i'm never over by earl of sandwich because there's nothing there i go for the store i know what you're talking about uh oh man that's gonna bug me whatever the name of that store is but yeah it's the one and they ended up taking out like part of the back of it yeah but you're telling me you've never gone in Wonderground Gallery and bought Disney art. No, not purchased anything, no. But you've never even been in? I mean, maybe, but like I said, not memorably. Okay, well, for all of you in the same boat as Paul, it's a Disney art store. It's a sh- shop that they sell concept art, like Thomas Kincaid, who makes the famous like watercolor paintings and oil paintings of Disney. And they sell a bunch of various artists, sometimes local to Los Angeles, and then in the counterpart in Orlando, local to Florida. Um, And it's just a bunch of really cool Disney art. I have a bunch of it in my house. And they sell postcards and collectible art and 
statues and all sorts of cool stuff. And I was really bummed when Wonderground Gallery was taken out because that was the Star Wars store location back in whatever month that was. But yeah, now they're going to put Wonderground back now that Star Wars is moving to the vacant building where it should have been all along and not taken out Wonderground. Well, moving right along to other art, uh, Disney has released on Shop Disney some uh, posters and lithographs inspired by Epcot attractions. I think they're really cool. I do too. So they have uh, one for the new Moana, whatever that is. The The Journey of Water inspired by Moana. And that is the most expensive poster. Well, they have, no, they have like a big old one that's oh. like a hundred bucks. But then they have a normal size one. The rest of them are 40 bucks. Um, so they also have one for Turtle Talk with Crush, The Living Seas, The Seas with Nemo and Friends, because apparently they needed to. <laughs> right. um, Kitchen Cabaret, which hasn't existed for many years. It even says Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit on it. I respect the hustle, though. Yeah. Soaring Around the World. Um, and The Land, which Bree and I both noted, does not appear to feature Soren in any way. It is basically just the Land Pavilion, and then there's like a little drawing of living with the land. Yeah, there is. They even got the, the, the baby bison on there, which I'm particularly excited about because, okay, don't get me wrong, I'm upset that Soren gets its own poster. For those of you just tuning in for the first time, I resent Soren. I think it is the worst Disney ride. But we will cover that on another episode, another time. I mean, that is patently false, but yeah, whatever. I have a lot of vengeance against Soren. Anyways, but the land and living with the land never get credit in Disney merch. I think I have like four things total of the land and three of them are pins. (laughs) And I just get really hyped when I see land merch because there is not enough of it. And the fact that it gets this beautiful artwork with the hot air balloons and the boats and the beautiful outside, which the whole outside is a lightning rod. Fun fact. I'm really hyped about it. It's in my car right now. I'm really, I just, I'm waiting till we're done to click by. What you didn't hear is the like 10 minutes I spent telling Bree that she should get it because there's just not that much land merchandise. And I mean, Paul's usually right. Like, I'm not going to lie. He is generally nine times out of ten correct of when I should buy Disney things. But. (laughs) Well, speaking of Disney things that you should buy. Well, you shouldn't buy this one. I mean, maybe you should. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do with cars. But I will tell Disney (laughs) that they need to buy some electric cars for Autopia. Because they're working with Chevy on some ads or whatever for a new chevy bolt which whatever who cares not me i'm just hoping but it's like it's specifically walt disney world (laughs) that they're working with so please 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 update the autopia cars to be electric they smell so bad they are so loud please yeah i i mean i've never ridden the ride my only experience is walking past it in Disney World, in Tomorrowland, past the teacups and Autopia, and it's just the worst. But I agree. Green is the future. Yeah, it, it is in Tomorrowland. How can you have gas-powered cars in Tomorrowland when it's not even certain that there will be gas-powered cars in the future? <sighs> anyway. There, there were already gas-powered cars when they built Tomorrowland. I don't know why they didn't try to make them look electric or at least flying before. 
I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. But that's enough transportation talk for one day. Except, no, it's not. Just kidding. <laughs> Just gonna, kidding, because we're going to When rank. we get back from our break, uh, we're going to talk about Disney transportation. But in the meantime, let's uh, hear a word from our sponsors. Paul, do you like knowing where your produce comes from? I sure do. Well, when you visit the Walt Disney World Resort, you have the state of mind guarantee that you know where at least 25% of your produce comes from. What about the other 75%? I'm not covering that today. I'm only talking about the 25%. And do you know where that 25% comes from, Paul? Where does it come from? It comes from living with the land in Epcot. Wow. A living, breathing greenhouse experience. That's amazing. It is amazing. You can take a boat and you can see all of these plants. It was the very first time I'd ever seen pineapples grown in the wild before. That's because you live in Washington. And there are no pineapples here. (laughs) And when I say 25%, I do mean they provide all of the produce for Epcot. And it's especially featured during festivals at all the booths. It tells you what part of living with the land the produce came from. And every time you eat at the garden grill, everything grown was raised down below at living with the land. And it's just a special time. So thanks, Living with the Land, for providing all of the responsible, resourceful produce of tomorrow at Epcot. In a world where the Rainforest Cafe doesn't exist anymore, but the building is still there, one franchise will take over the building and move there so that Bree's weird painting thing can go there instead. Star Wars. And we're back. The vine experience. The vine experience? Because there's vines all over the building. Oh, got it. Okay. Right. So anyway, we're going to talk about Disney transportation. Bree, do you have any overarching thoughts on, on Disney transportation? I have a like small story about Disney transportation. Go for it. So when I went in high school with my marching band, um, my mom came on the trip as well. Not like as a chaperone, but she just like also flew to Disney World to like watch us perform and stuff. And she was heading back to, I think she was heading to Disney Springs to take an Uber to her hotel. And because she stayed off property because that was before we knew that you stay on property when you stay at Disney. (laughs) And uh, she's on a bus back to Disney Springs and got in a horrible bus accident. Whoa, that's not fun. No, and had to have Reedy Creek, which is the fire department of Disney come and it was awful and scary and she didn't get super hurt which is great but a lot of people did get really hurt and after that i really didn't like riding disney buses very much yeah that's fair uh she let's... didn't even get a free meal voucher like come on disney. what that's stupid <laughs> well let's talk about those disney buses because we rated them rather poorly no nope. i rated it a four out of ten you gave it a five Again. how much of this is Due to the trans star buses from your college program days. Because I feel like in general, the Disney bus system is probably a lot better than I give it credit for. But I just, riding a bus on Disney property now makes me feel like I am on trans star, which is not a good thing. No, it triggers me. It's definitely a trigger. Um, I had to ride a bus last time I went to Disney because we were going to Disney Springs from the park. And I just, I got like, first of all, I panicked Doug in my wallet to try to find my ID to get on the bus. (laughs) First of all, uh, what I didn't need because I was staying at a resort and I could have just taken the bus anyway. 
But also, every time the bus, like, slowed down and I didn't notice traffic, I was like, this is it. We're going to die in a fire. And <laughs> that was all that would cross my brain. So Transtar definitely ruined Disney buses for me. Yeah, overall, I think they're probably actually really pretty solid <laughs> in terms of a bus bus fleet. They're probably good, but we can't ride them anymore. I mean, we can, no. but not much. The bus drivers are also so nice. So the reason I gave it a 5 out of 10 instead of your 4 out of 10. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm moving mine up to a 5. Okay, because the bus drivers are so sweet. Like, I have never had a bad experience with a Disney bus driver. Like, they are always so polite and kind, and they are always so happy. And there was one point on my college program I was wearing a birthday button, because when you're on your college program and it's your birthday, you wear your birthday button for like a month. Like, you wear it every time you go to the parks. And I was wearing it, and it was, like, this older lady bus driver, and I was just on the bus by myself, and, like, I was, like, you know, wearing it. And she goes, oh, my God, happy birthday. Like, are you here with your family? And I was having a particularly, like, really hard day that day, and (laughs) I literally just started crying. (laughs) And she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I was like, no, like, my mom just left. Like, she was here to visit for my birthday, and she flew home to Seattle. And she and this nice lady bus driver talked to me the whole time and told me all about her kids and her grandkids and her dogs. And, like, she was so sweet and made me feel so, like, just loved and happy in that moment. And I think that's just the epitome of Disney bus drivers is that no matter what your day is like at Disney, they are so just wonderful. I think Lauren was with me when this happened, but I was on a Disney bus once and we ended up sitting next to some people who just started. I think that they were, were they telling us this story or were we just eavesdropping? I think they were actually telling us like (laughs) all about their lives and their grandkids and like why they were visiting. And I was like, that's cool. That was the whole story. I don't know. It was entertaining. (laughs) I, I completely forgotten about that story until just now. And I feel like that's the Disney cast member magic a little bit. When you get on a bus, even as a guest, like whoever's around you will start talking to you. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I got a lot more people talking to me just in general than I ever did as a regular old human. Yeah. So, but, so I don't, yeah, five out of 10 because traumatized beyond heck. <laughs> to but be the buses. actual Disney bus is solid thumbs up. Yeah, so don't be intimidated if you go. Like, please don't let our college program trauma defer you from taking a great experience. But if you're doing the college program and have the opportunity to bring a car, do that. Bring a car. Don't take the buses. Moving on to the monorail. Monorail in Disney World first. Yes. We'll do that one first. Yeah. So I I gave it like a a 7 out of 10. Just kind of all around. Like. Okay. Magic Kingdom is kind of boring, but you go through some cool stuff. Uh, It is really crowded all the time, which sucks. Uh, But Epcot's amazing. So um, pro tip for all of you out there, just so you know, the Epcot lines and the Magic Kingdom lines are not connected. You do need to transfer monorails, which I did one time passive-aggressively tell Lauren so that everyone would get off the monorail because they were just going to end up going back to Epcot. Uh, Lauren was not too pleased with that, but I bet all of the people who didn't end up going back to Epcot we're, uh, we're pretty happy about that, even though it was uh, definitely super passive-aggressive. Yeah, I find myself doing passive-aggressive things at Disney now, totally. But speaking of passive-aggressive on the monorail, first of all, I'm going to share my favorite monorail hack before I give my score. And that is, at the end of the night, 
when there is that really long monorail line to the TTC, you can take the resort monorail and still get to the TTC. Oh yeah, you just go to the go to the poly. Yeah, you have I mean, it depends what loop it's making that night. Sometimes it skips it the first time and goes back the second time, but it will still be faster than waiting in the TTC line every time. You could also take the boat to the poly, but that also usually has a long line, so So, it's really pick your poison, but no matter what, your resorts are your best option. Or I have walked to the Contemporary and gotten on the monorail there before. I don't think I've ever gotten on the monorail, but I have just definitely walked to the Contemporary. Yeah, um, before, like, when if one of my roommates drove and we parked at the TTC, we would walk to the Contemporary and get on the monorail there. Nice. To get to the TTC. Because it's faster than waiting in line. Like, yeah, your feet hurt, you're tired, but I would rather walk all the way to the monorail than get in line. (laughs) But my score is 6 out of 10 for MK, specifically because of the lines and the crowding on the monorail. And 100 out of 10 for Epcot, because there is no more magical way to start your day at Epcot than riding it in and seeing the park and the people and smelling the smells. And it's just impeccable. Well, you don't smell smells because it's enclosed, but... Right. Except anyway. for I spent so much time in Epcot, I, I can smell Epcot on command. <laughs> it's like a, fan, like, I just, like a I phantom just smell. And when I would work strollers at Living with the Land, I, first of all, would time how long I was out there by how many times the monorail has gone past me on my shift. Oh, smart. And also, you can wave to people on the monorail, and they wave back, and it's super fun. So yeah, 100 out of 10 for Epcot. It's the best. Have you done the Disneyland monorail? Because it's kind of- I have. It's fun, but it's whatever. It is fun. It's fun if you're planning on ending up in one of the two places it goes. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you're trying to get, if you're going to downtown Disney anyway, yeah, it's pretty good. Works out well. I've actually taken it from downtown Disney into Disneyland. I've done that too. As my only time taking it because we'd had dinner in downtown Disney and then we. Our hotel was on the Disneyland side of the street. And so we're like, well, why walk all the way from downtown Disney through? So it was faster to take the monorail, get off in Tomorrowland, and then walk through the park. And then I I doubt it. I mean, I got to go into Disneyland. So like, yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't worth it. I just I don't think it was faster. <laughs> we'll never know because I never make that walk anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, one thing that it is nice is it gets you like into the park automatically like you're in. Well, I mean, not like <laughs> you don't get like get free access to Disneyland or anything, but you get further like deeper into the park without having to wade through all of the people. So if Main Street is really backed up for whatever reason, you end up automatically in Tomorrowland. So which is another incentive to stay at like Disneyland hotels because then you can just take the monorail into the park every morning and not have to deal with like Main Gate. I've never done that, but I would like to someday when I have enough money. But it's expensive. And not really worth it in California. No. Next up, the Skyliner. I haven't done it, so I, I don't know. I haven't done it either. Um, I went when it was very first open last two years ago, last year. Whenever it first opened, 2019. It was A, still really crowded, and B, I there's no way, no way in heck, Paul, you could not pay me enough money to get in a dangling cube from a wire and fly across the resort. Nope, you couldn't. What if it took you to Animal Kingdom? Maybe. You don't have to take a bus then. I mean, it's pretty good. 
It's a pretty good incentive, but I also still probably would take the bus. I would probably be very anxious doing it, but I would be very excited to try it because I think it looks really cool. And I think that the views are probably really pretty uh, unique, if nothing else. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll get enough courage by the time it's like safe to go again to go. Moving on to the minivans, which I also haven't done. Have you done the minivans? I have seen the inside of a minivan. Okay. Yeah. I never ridden in one, but I've seen the inside plenty of times, like just being there when people get into them and such. All right. For those of you who don't know, uh, minivans are Disney's partnership with, I think it's Lyft. Um, it's basically just a easier ride sharing thing that's like super official and they go to certain places where other Ubers and stuff can't. Um, so they'll like drop you off by the bus loop, uh, at Magic Kingdom, for example, which is a lot, a lot faster. Um, yeah, yeah for people really who, expensive. they are very expensive people who need car seats though. I imagine they are pretty valuable, um, because they provide, I think it's like two car seats. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's really cool. That is really cool. And I think it'd be worth the investment if you fly to Disney and have small children. If anything, if you just at least invest in it for Magic Kingdom alone. I yeah, I don't think you're going to take a minivan everywhere. But if, if you pick no. your places properly, I think that, that that can be can be neat and helpful. Totally. Next up are boats. And I was as I was writing the list, I was only thinking of the Magic Kingdom boats. But there are also the Friendships in um between epcot and hollywood studios and oh and the one at disney springs and and the boat that goes across the seven not the seven seas lagoon that's magic kingdom one the one that goes from future world to the world showcase in epcot there's a boat that you can take there you can take a boat starting where the uh illuminations viewing area for fireworks is and it drops you off in Germany. Okay. But it only runs until 2 p.m. So a lot of people don't know about it. Because it may it only also runs... go away with uh, Harmonious. It very well might. But it is one of my favorite boats. Because it takes you all the way around. You get to see all the countries. But anyway, how do you feel about boats? I love boats. Boats I think the is boats are my cool. preferred transportation at Disney, honestly. Um, I've taken every boat, I think, at Disney at this point. I've taken either every boat or almost every boat. So I've taken the Friendships. I've taken the big old boat from the TTC to the Magic Kingdom. I've taken the boat the like that goes in the loop between Magic Kingdom and uh, the Poly and the Grand Flow. And I've taken the boat from Wilderness Lodge to Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Other than other than the Epcot one that I just found out about, I think I've taken all the boats. I really enjoy the Magic Kingdom boats. Like the one, well, I've taken it from Magic Kingdom to the Grand Flow, and then I've taken the one that's Magic, not Magic Kingdom, that's Fort Wilderness to Wilderness Lodge, vice versa. Oh, I haven't taken that one. Um, I took that one in the middle of a thunderstorm. Oh, that's fun. Would not recommend. There's no covering. It's a very, very small boat. Cool. And the water was real choppy. I got real wet. Um, But my favorite boat are the friendships between Hollywood Studios and Epcot. I think it is the best way to get between the parks. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. 
well, I prefer the monorail personally, but yeah, no, the friendships are also very good. I also forgot I have been on the, the Port Orleans, uh, well, it goes from Riverside to French Quarter and then down to Disney Springs. I've done that. Yeah. Does it stop at Old Key West? Because I know it goes by Old Key West. I don't remember if it actually stops I there. I feel like it doesn't. I don't remember it stopping there when I went on it. Yeah, I don't think it does. But anyway. But that, um, that one's nice. Yeah, that one's really cool. Especially if you're, if you're staying at Port Orleans, definitely do it someday. Port Orleans, I think, is a great resort. Or if you need to get to the parks from Disney Springs. You can't. You could take the boat to Port Orleans and then get right. on a bus to the Oh, parks. yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said six. Six out of ten. Well, I said 7.8 out of ten too much water, but that's a meme. It's probably like 6.5 or so. Boat's pretty good. I gave, it, I gave it 100 out of 10. I really, 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 really love taking boats. All right. Um, next up, Autopia slash the Speedway. Yeah, I said 0 out of 10. It's bad. I gave it a negative 100 out of 10. I've never even ridden on it. I just hate it. Yeah, it's bad. I don't like it. So bad. And last but certainly not least is walking, which I gave a negative 10 out of 10 for ironic enjoyment of walking. Fun fact, Lauren and I took the monorail to the Grand Floridian, and then we walked all the way around to the Polynesian. She almost passed out from being dehydrated, so we got her some water at the Poly, and then we walked over to the TTC, and then that monorail story that I mentioned earlier happened. So... That was a, a eventful day, to say the least. Um, however, now we can just walk all the way around because now there's a walkway from the Magic Kingdom to the Grand Flow. Which is super cool. Also, if I was Lauren, I actually might have murdered you. Yeah, I am lucky to still be alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've also walked from Epcot to the studios. Yes, that is and was... One of my favorite walks to do when I'd get off work. So occasionally when I'd work like the morning shift and get off at like 3, 3.34 in the afternoon, I would just change and walk to Hollywood Studios because why not? It's like a, what, 25 minute walk probably? Uh, yeah, it depends on how fast you walk. Um, it also depends dramatically on the weather. If it starts pouring down rain, you're going to probably go a different speed, moving. either faster or slower, depending. But Yeah. I love that walk. I think it's so, first of all, beautiful. Like, it's just a gorgeous walk. Mm, Except for the part where you go under the freeway or under the road. Under what road? Wait, which way are you talking about? I'm talking about going out the the back, out of World Showcase, and then out past, like, the boardwalk. Yeah, you follow the path of the friendship boat. Yeah. Yeah, there's no road. Yeah, there definitely is. Well, I mean, like, you walk past the parking lot. No. You definitely walk underneath the road. There's definitely an overpass. No, there's not. Yes, there is. I'm looking at it right now on Google Maps. It's Buena Vista Drive. You walk under a road? Paul, I have done that walk like probably 50 plus times. Yeah, for sure. You definitely do. Why am I not remembering this? I don't know. But definitely Buena Vista Drive goes over that. Huh. I do have a story about that walk. Okay. But I do have to kind of preface it. Okay. I am currently, as we're recording this, 23 years old, and I was 21 when this story happened, so nothing I'm about to say is illegal. Kind of. Okay. I had ordered a cider car bomb from England in the World Showcase, which is where they do two shots of fireball and you drop them in cider. Sure. 
And I just ordered it. And then everyone decided they wanted to go to Hollywood Studios. And so I was like, alcohol can't leave the park. So I dumped out all of my water in my opaque water bottle. So when you said this whole thing is legal, what you meant was it is not against any federal laws. It is still against Disney rules. Hear me out. Just to get it out of Epcot. I finished it before Hollywood Studios on the 25-minute walk and didn't sneak it into another park and didn't sneak it for any minors. So it wasn't against technically any rules. I mean, it's still against rules. But what was I supposed to do? I had just paid $22 for this. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. No one should do what I do, but that is my most memorable story of that walk. Fair enough. So. Uh, Yeah, that sounds memorable. Okay. I'll give it to you. (laughs) Don't do what Brie does at Disney. Ever. (laughs) Ever. This is not an advice podcast. That would be a terror. What kind of advice would we give on an advice podcast? Bad. Yeah, that's probably true. But instead of giving bad advice, we give you our good fire opinions on uh, Disney stuff. Because remember, Brie, this is a fire-based podcast that we've forgotten to talk about fire for approximately the last 10 episodes. Um, Oh, shoot. Anyway... We have reached the end of said fire-based podcast for today. Um, so if you all want to uh, let us know what you thought of the episode, you can go ahead and give us a comment or DM or like or follow or whatever on your <laughs> social media platform of choice, be it Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or Facebook, if that's what you're into, we are at Signal25Podcast on all of those platforms. Um, And also on most, if not all of those platforms, there is a post up that you can interact with that we put up last week. uh, And it's a place for you to ask us questions. If you find yourself listening to our episodes or you just find yourself sitting there dreaming of Disney like we often do, you can go ahead and feel free to type out a comment there or send us a DM. Like, you don't have to type a comment, but it is there if you need it and want to use it. Cool. Um, If you uh, really enjoy the show, then you can and should feel free to, um, you know... Share it with your friends. You can use whatever platform you want. You can text it to them. You can use WhatsApp. You can use smoke signals because it's a fire podcast. It's a fire podcast and we're still in winter. So if you're building a fire and you feel like you know how to do smoke signals safely, we do encourage it. Exactly. So if if you uh, are sharing... Uh, with the smoke signals, make sure you use the smoke signal emojis for uh, buses and also boats. Buses and boats. I don't know how you do smoke signal emojis, but you know. I would be really impressed if someone knew how to draw with smoke signals. I was thinking like, I think Gandalf does that. Like he makes his smoke rings into stuff in Lord of the Rings. thinking if you cut like a beach towel out and like you cut the holes in the shape of the emoji and put it over the smoke so the smoke could arise through the cutout? I don't think so, because I think it spreads out. I think it always wants to make a roundish shape. Hmm. Well, then I obviously don't know anything about smoke signals, so I'm very highly underqualified to run this podcast. I'm qualified to run the podcast, but not make smoke signals. Um, But in addition to that, uh, I'm Paul. And I'm Bree. And this has been Signal 25.